show me wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Concentrate. Look in my eye. Lock a hand. Thumb inside. Get! Get! Ladies and gentlemen, Get! this Look, is the Welcome in, everybody. It is another edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the UFC edition, UFC 292. Boy, we're getting close to that 300 number. And we've got a good one here. A lot of people buzzing about Sean O'Malley getting his shot at a world title, one of the more popular fighters in the UFC. Uh, We will do what we normally do, discuss the main event, discuss the co-main event, and each have a best bet. I am AJ Hoffman. He is Sleepy Jay. Sleepy, how are you, my man? Just out here slapping around all the little pukamaniacs and skipping my prayers and my vitamins. So doing my thing. That's good. Doing my thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's good for you, man. Uh, All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into the card, and I'll I'll ask you first, like, how excited are you? And we'll start with the main event. Are you a Sugar Sean fan? Are you a, a, a doubter? And let's let's face it, I think that Aljamain Sterling has as many retractors maybe as, as O'Malley does. Like, which side as a fan do you fall on in this fight? I don't fall actually on either side as a fan. It's not that I don't like Sugar Sean, but I do question some of his tactics in the octagon. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's a dirty fighter. But some of the stuff that he does out there, I think, is a little bit questionable. I mean, you can go back to his last two fights, uh, maybe a little bit questionable. And with Al Jermaine, I kind of thought that maybe he milked it the first time he ended up fighting Jan. I thought maybe he milked that. And I think that he kind of takes off too much time sometimes. Like, maybe he tries to duck some fights. So um, maybe I'll gain some more respect for either one of them in this fight. But right now, I'm not a fan of really either of these guys yet. Well... Uh, that makes two of us. I, I'm not a fan of either guy. Uh, Aljo is just, he's not an exciting fighter to me. Like I, he's very effective. He's, he's just, he bores me and it's no knock against him. Like what happened with Jan in the, in the title fight? Like it's no knock against him. Really? Uh, he like, once the ref said, okay, there was serious damage done with that blow. It, it wasn't, it was out of, you know, Aljermaine's hands. Like the ref said the fight's over. This was a significant strike, and they had to they had to go from there. So I don't. I mean, could he have kept going? I think he absolutely could have, but it's not his fault. He got kneed in the face while he was on the mat. That was just the lapse of judgment by Piotr Jan. Um, and we'll get into what his schedules looked like since then. But I'll go ahead and kick this off, and I'm going to like Sterling in this fight at minus two fifty, and. He's talked about this opportunity being gift wrapped for Sean O'Malley. And when you look into O'Malley's strength of schedule, it's kind of hard to disagree with him, right? He's eight one and one in the UFC. Now, anybody else, you'd be like, man, eight one and one, that is an incredibly strong record. And no doubt it is. Of the eight guys he's beaten, how many of those guys do you think are still rostered by the UFC? Just get, take a wild stab at it. I'll say two. You'd you'd be overestimating. It is one. 
it is Piotr Jan, the one guy that he's beaten who is still on the roster. And that was by split decision his last time out. Uh, The guys who the other seven guys that he's beat went a combined one and 10 after fighting Sean O'Malley. Terion Ware, Andre Sukumthat, Jose Quinones, Eddie Wineland, Thomas Almeida, Chris Moutinho, Julian Paiva, none of them still in the UFC. They had one total win after they fought O'Malley. This is a weak, weak strength of schedule. And you can argue that, you know, the, 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 like the, like I said, people argue for the, the resume of Sterling, particularly, you know, starting when he became the champion, winning the title by disqualification, uh, in a fight that he was, let's face it, being dominated in. He has since won two split decisions, one against Jan, one against Henry Cejudo. Although the Cejudo fight, I have no idea how that was a split decision. I, I thought he won it comfortably. And, got a stoppage win over TJ Dillashaw who clearly went into the cage like with a a significant undisclosed injury. So, but again, is that is that Aljamain's fault? It's hard to fault him for that. He just did what he was supposed to do. Um that said, I I believe the problem with O'Malley is what I've always thought the problem would be and they've never they've never really put him in there with someone who's going to fully take advantage of it. And that is someone who's got elite level grappling. And Aljo's takedowns come from anywhere. Once he gets to takedown in this fight, I don't see much path for O'Malley to get up. Uh, I, I think that his like the, his style of wrestling transitions him directly into his grappling, which is also elite. And we we haven't seen O'Malley just like being tossed around on the mat. Like, because they haven't put him in there with guys who will toss him around on the mat. And this is going to be new waters for O'Malley, not to mention the first five-round fight for O'Malley. Uh, We know Aljo can go five rounds and and still look like he's, you know, taking a walk at the beach. I I don't know about that with O'Malley. Um, The the guy lives a lifestyle, like, just like a a week ago, I saw him smoking something uh, on Instagram. I don't I, I don't know if that's an old video or what, but it tells me like he's probably not as serious about this as a guy like Aljo is. And going a five round fight with someone whose pace is not going to slow down feels like a lot to ask. Uh, you can avoid paying the the heavy juice if you don't like that minus two fifty uh, for Aljo to win inside the distance is plus one ten. I think that's very viable. Uh, I could see him getting a submission. Uh, but I'm going to play it safe here, and I'm just going to say Aljo wins this fight minus 250. Uh, what what do you think on this one? Well, I have no problem with that. I do have a question for you, though, when it comes to Sean O'Malley. Do you think that he won his last fight against Jan? Because I thought that Jan probably won that fight. I, I think it, it like I could I could see the argument either way. I, I didn't think it was like a robbery. I scored it for Jan, but I wasn't like one of these guys pounding the table like, oh my gosh, they just screwed Piotr Jan. I, I thought Jan probably should have won the fight, but it was it was a close fight. I felt like maybe it was just the damage that O'Malley put on him, that that's kind of what the... What I think that's exactly what they saw. Yeah. So the fact that you went through when you did all your homework with O'Malley, you know, with his resume here, that, that was impressive. I like that. And then I'm kind of in the camp where Jan probably beat him. 
So it's tough for me to even look at O'Malley here. I think the one chance that he actually has in this fight, and it's the one thing that I don't like about Aljamain, is that I think Aljamain is going to come in here and stand straight in front of him because he wants to prove a point that he can stand up and, and, and trade punches with O'Malley. I think that's really O'Malley's only real path is to knock Aljo out. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Aljo is probably going to eventually get him out of there. So I'm going to go ahead and, and play this not to go the distance. I think that Aljo can, can submit him. But I do have a little worry that maybe O'Malley can go ahead and catch Aljo if he steps in front of him. So I don't see this one going the distance. Like you said, it's going to be five rounds. O'Malley hasn't gone five rounds. Now, going back to the Jan O'Malley fight, if you looked at O'Malley at the end of the fight, he looked like he could have easily have gone five. So I think that the gas tanks will probably be there for both guys. But I think eventually Aljo's going to figure out a way to not make mistakes and do stupid stuff because I think he will do some stupid stuff, but eventually get O'Malley down. And once O'Malley's down on the on the mat, I mean, it's pretty much over. So I'm going to go ahead and, and take the, the no distance minus 215. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you uh, as far as if, if Aljo decides to stand in front of O'Malley, he's really opening himself up to lose this fight. That's it, because let's face it, o- O'Malley is a an absolute sniper. Like his striking is absolutely legit, and any flaws I say that there are in his game, none of them really have to do with his striking, which I think is is one of he's one of the best strikers in the UFC period. But here's what I know about Aljo: like this is a dude who there's been nothing but negative you know, negative press or negative feelings from fans coming his way since he's become the champion. He's boring and he doesn't care about any of that. He like people call him boring. He was perfectly fine in in the rematch with Jan just to grind it, like to make it a, an ugly, you know, wrestling match. Like he, he doesn't care if you think it's, it's boring. He will do what he does to win. And this being what he says is is at least his last fight uh, at 135 before he moves up and and lets uh, Marab Dvalashvili uh, take over this division. That's at least that's what they plan. The two teammates. Uh, I, I expect him to be no different. I, I think he plays it safe. I, I think he leans heavily on his wrestling. And um, yeah, that that's the. I, I don't worry about him saying, you know what, I've got to throw down and prove to people that I can win this kind of fight. That doesn't strike me as Aljo. Like, that's not his mentality. Do you think that if, let's just say, O'Malley loses this one and Aljamain moves up, do you think that there's a chance that O'Malley gets thrown right back in there like a top fight contender again? I think he'll – I mean, he's going to stay a contender. I I don't think – I think the worst thing they could do is he loses to Aljo and they put him in against Marab – because Marab will do everything to him that Aljo did. Like Marab is probably a, even a better wrestler and has better cardio than Aljo. So I, that would be the because then you've got two losses in a row on O'Malley and you're killing the Golden Goose. I mean, you, I I told you the strength of schedule. The UFC's they have carefully plotted out O'Malley's career because they want him to be a star, and it's hard to be a star once you start losing fights back to back and you, you you things start to unravel on you. So. Uh, I, I don't think they'll. I think they they'll put him in big fights from now on, but it's all going to be big fights that are tailor made for him. It's going to be against other guys who want to strike, other guys who are willing to stand up and bang with him. Don't have much wrestling, and then eventually he'll work his way back up to another title shot. Maybe by then it is against Marab, and I, I see him going through the same 
sort of ringer that I think he's going to go through on Saturday night. Any worry with Aljo with with the size here? Because I know Aljo doesn't have a whole lot of fights against guys that are that are as tall as O'Malley. That was one thing that maybe concerned me a little bit that it would take him a little bit of time, maybe to get some distance down. Yeah, that worries me some. Um, it mostly worries me because you're going. I think you're going to see Aljo shooting. Aljo, he likes body locks. He likes taking you down by trips and things like that. And and like just kind of, it's almost like a funk style wrestling. Uh, I I think that he's going to have to do some like some double leg uh, injuries, which is scary because I can see O'Malley landing a knee. And uh, like I said, this dude is a sniper from range. So that worries me a little. He's not going to be able to work his way in with a jab. He's going to have to take chances. And that's like, if you think that there's, uh, a path for O'Malley. It's that that Aljo has to take some chances to get this fight to the ground. Uh, but I, I think that he, I think he gets the job done. And you know, I, I think that oh, this is one of the this is one of the easier fights to me for uh, in a while for Aljo. Like the, the guys he's had to go against recently, and I know you know O'Malley's got the win over Jan. I think Jan's a much more difficult prep than O'Malley because like Jan is is dangerous everywhere uh O'Malley is a he is a one-dimensional fighter and I I think he's he's okay on the ground like I I think he can he can survive for a while but again against someone who's as elite of a grappler as is Aljo it's it's not gonna it's not gonna last for long all right, let's take a look at the co-main event and I'll let you get first crack at this one uh I may surprise you with where I'm going all right, well, I might surprise you with this one, too. Let's go. I don't think that Zhang Weili is going to look like a minus 350 favorite in this fight. I don't think Amanda Lemos is a chump by any by any means, but I can't actually take Lemos in this fight here. I think the wager that I actually feel the most comfortable with is probably for this fight to end in KO, TKO at minus 135. I think both girls here possess the power to KO. Uh, any opponent that they step in there with. And we saw Lemos take care of Marina Rodriguez recently. That actually surprised me a little bit. Zhang Weili, she went ahead and she took care of Joanna and knocked her out. Both are going to throw bombs here. I think that this one starts fast. I think it starts furious. I think we see blood. I think we see some damage. And eventually, I think one of their gas tanks are going to eventually run out, and one of them is going to crack the other. I would lean more towards Zhang Weili to go ahead and win this one, but... I, after seeing her lose to Rose, and I bet her in back-to-back fights, it's just tough for me to put my money down on her. She's probably the better fighter. Maybe I'm still salty, but I think this one plays out where one of them gets knocked out. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and play this one. And it's actually surprising, too, because outside of maybe like an Amanda fight, Nunez or Shevchenko, I normally don't play women's fights to either get ended by KO or to not go the distance. So the fact that I'm going to go ahead and do that here, this one, the ending KO, TKO kind of tells me that um, that maybe I'm, I'm really feeling confident with this one. So that's where I'm going. All right. I I, uh, I agree with some of what you said. I think this is like one of those like wars of attrition. I, I think this is a fight where we see both both ladies hurt at some point. Uh, I, I think there's going to be a couple of times where like, oh, my gosh, it's going to end. And it's just going to keep being this bloody war. I was really hoping for there to be a, a, a t- over two and a half rounds. Uh, in a five round fight, if this could have gone over two and a half rounds, that would have been probably my best bet of the entire card. 
they set it at plus th- or at over three and a half rounds, but you get plus 175 on that. I think that's worth taking a look at plus 175 over three and a half rounds. I'm with you. I think there could be a finish, but I think it comes in the fourth or fifth round if there is a finish. Uh, but I, I believe absolutely what you said about Wei Li looking like a, a, a minus 350 favorite. I don't know how she is a minus 350 favorite. She's very good, no doubt. But we saw against Rose, she's not like this invincible force. And Lemos has lost one fight. at She's lost two fights in the UFC, but she's only lost once since she dropped down to strawweight. And she hits like a freaking truck. She has a pretty slick grappling game. And I think she's Wei Li is going to give her the fight that she wants, uh, which gives gives Lamosh opportunities to hurt the champ. So um, I, I think this is a, a gnarly fight. I, I'm excited to watch this. I, I think it's close, so I have to go with the dog here. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a unit on Amanda Lamosh plus two seventy. Uh, like I said, I'd, I'd wish that it was over two and a half rounds. Uh, but I'm still going to play a little over three and a half rounds at plus one seventy plus one seventy five as well. Uh, but I, I really think that this is a lot closer fight than the odds suggest. Uh, I, I would have thought Lamosh was going to maybe get back plus one fifty something like that. Uh, so plus two seventy just seemed outrageous to me to the point where I, I've got to take a stab with it. I see I see what you're saying. Like you lean towards Wei Li anyway. I I kind of do too. But I, I just it plus two seven. I think she wins this fight more than two out of three times. I, I just, I just, or more than one out of three times. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I, I was hoping I was going to catch like a minus one fifty, one sixty somewhere in there, and I'm like, I'll just take Zhang Weili at those odds. And then I looked at the odds. I'm like, what are they nuts? And then I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're right because I don't think Lemos's resume is really all that impressive. Like if she had a couple more big name wins on there. Maybe the odds would have been closer, but the fact that it was minus three fifty, I'm like, well, I'm not doing that, and I'm not going to parlay anything because there are some potential hazards out there on this card that that I think could, um, you know, get you in trouble with with parlaying, not just this particular fight, but other ones. So that's why I went the route that I did. But minus three fifty made no sense to me, and I certainly wasn't betting it. So that was kind of why I got pushed in the direction that I did. All right, so it sounds like we have we have some some agreement at least that this is a, a much more competitive fight. Uh, I, I I hope you get the knockout. I just hope it's uh I hope it's a late knockout is my hope. Uh, all right, let's get to best bets. Before we do though, sleepy, tell the people how they can save some money at pregame. All right, so let's save some money here at pregame. Let's give them a code here, sugar twenty. I'm guessing that's for sugar Sean there, AJ. That yeah, is. The guy we don't necessarily like, but I know our listeners like money off, and you can do that here at pregame.com. You can save 20% by going in to pregame and entering code SUGAR20. Save 20% on anything. We got the NFL coming up, college football. Uh, I think, AJ, you probably have a college football plus NFL combo package that's up. I do. You could save 20% on that. I mean, that's a great deal. And I know your college football and NFL record over the last couple of years has been very good. One of the best on the site. So if you guys are looking for football stuff, we still got MLB going on. So make sure you guys go over to pregame.com, enter sugar 20, save yourself 20%. Yeah. And of course you could, you could just get a, a, a package with my, uh, my, you know, just my full UFC card uh, this weekend, if you prefer. All right, sleepy, I'm going to let you take the lead here. Where are you going for your best bet of UFC 292? 
All right, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Ian Gary to go ahead and win in round one or two at minus 105. We've seen this kid explode on people in the past to go ahead and start out fights. Now, we're going to get a short notice here with Neil Magny. And although he's a vet and I think that he could probably push anyone in a fight, I think the short notice here for Magny is going to hurt him. If you go back and you look at what Magny's done in some of his step-up fights recently, they've resulted in submission losses. Now, I don't think Gary will get a submission here. I don't think he's going to be looking for that. I think he's going in here to probably get this over with quickly. I like the fact that this is in Boston, so I think that the this crowd's going to play to the Irish guy. But I think Gary comes in here looking to go ahead and just take care of Magny. And I don't know how much Magny really has left in the tank. So I was thinking maybe this could go into the third, and, and I'm like, you know what? This kid's going to come out here and just try to just light the whole place up on fire. So I'm going to go ahead and play Gary to go ahead and win this one in round one or two. I wouldn't be surprised if he knocked Magny out. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I, I watched this kid. Now, I know maybe his last fight or, or maybe it was the fight before his last. He looked a little suspect, but I think he needed a, to go through a little bit of growing pains. But from what I've seen from this dude, like he has a lot of power. He's going to come out and he's going to unleash it quick. And I just don't know if Magny's ready for that. I don't think Magny was really ready for this particular fight coming in here on short notice. So. That's the wager I like most. Yeah, Magny doesn't have any losses. Like, if you go through his resume, there's no losses that you would say are bad losses. But sometimes when he loses, he loses badly. Like, he he gets blitzed. And Gilbert Burns was a good example uh, when he took that fight back in January. Uh, Shavkat Rachmanov, which, by the way, he's going to make a lot of people look really bad. Uh, He did that uh, when they fought last year, last summer. So... That is, there's, it's often when, when he's in there with someone who, who just overmatches him, it, it turns into a blowout. Uh, if you want to go way further back, you can go to when he, he got uh, subbed by Rafael Dos Anjos, like almost immediately. Um, so th- there's, I think there's precedence for it when he, when he loses, he usually loses, you know, in, in dominant fashion. Uh, I could see that being the case here as well. So I, I don't disagree with you, Gary. I'm using in a parlay piece, uh, it, it, you know, so having him finish early, uh, I, I, I don't mind the value on that. Let me ask you a question, though, real quick on Gary. You were saying, like, when Magni fights these upper type guys, like these bigger name guys, doesn't have a bad loss on his resume. Are you putting Gary in there with those guys? Because that was my biggest question. I'm like, do I put him in there with like a Rachmanov or, or a Gilbert Burns? Where does he fit right now in your mind? I, I mean, I, he's certainly one of, like, probably right there. He, uh, he's probably not as big of a prospect as Rachmanov, who looks just like – Rachmanov looks like he's going to be a champion to me. But I do think Ian Gary's very good. I think there is maybe a little bit of extra hype on him. You know, he doesn't have the wins yet that Rachmanov has. Like, D- Daniel Rodriguez, his, that, his last win was a really nice win. Uh, but – it's it's hard to say that he's proven himself yet. So beating Neil Magny, if if he does blitz through Neil Magny, certainly kind of puts him on the map because mm-hmm. that, that's what you know. That was really when Rachmanov, like he went from being like, okay, this guy is he, he looks like a pretty decent prospect, to where he followed that up by uh, choking out Jeff Neal, who is very, very good. And this, I think Gary versus Neil would have been a much closer fight. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Rachmanov is on a different level right now. But 
there's it's not to say that Ian Gary isn't you know that much better than Neil Magny. Neil Magny is like to me the ultimate gatekeeper at this weight class. Like if you can if you can handle Neil Magny, you can become a title contender. You you're you're like one of the top guys. If Neil Magny is too tricky for you and you can't handle that kind of a fight, there's a lot of guys you aren't going to beat. Mm-hmm. So this is a really big fight for Ian Gary, in my opinion. Okay, yeah, I just I wasn't sure, you know, what you thought of Gary and if I was putting him in a class where maybe he didn't belong. But that's kind of how I I felt coming into this is that maybe he's in that class and that's why I was going to go ahead and you know wager on him here. All right, I'm going to go for my best bet to Marlon Chito Vera. It's a little juicy, minus 190, uh, but I feel comfortable playing it. Like, Chito draws a very beatable opponent here. It's his first fight since being dominated by Corey Sandhagen. And I think in hindsight, Sandhagen, he's just on a different level than Vera. And he shut down his offense completely. He he frustrated Chito, like, to the point where, like, you could see Chito just didn't want to even be in the cage anymore. I don't think that's something that's repeatable for Pedro Munoz. Like the best weapon Munoz has is he's really tough. Like he will eat a ton of shots. He'll keep coming forward, which makes for really fun fights. He's he's a really fun guy to watch, but he's running to a wall against the top guys in the division. He's two, four and one in his last seven fights. The wins came over Jimmy Rivera and Chris Gutierrez. The losses came against Aljo, Frankie Edgar, Jose Aldo and Dominic Cruz. I think Vera belongs in the second category a lot more than the first category. I mean, considering Cheeto's last two wins are knockout wins over Frankie Edgar and Dominic Cruz. So, and also, listen, the young Punisher is is uh, the nickname for Pedro Munoz. I always hate putting young in your nickname because eventually you're going to be old. And now he's the 36 year old young Punisher. It's not crazy to think that Munoz's best days are behind him. And if you are not going in there at an elite level against Cheeto Vera, I think you're in trouble. What's wild is the way these two guys fight and these two guys bang, they are willing to basically draw a line in the middle of the cage, stand on it, and go toe-to-toe. Neither one of them has ever been finished. My initial thought was I think Cheeto finishes uh, Munoz, but then like – the fact that Munoz has fought this way his entire career, like in a a style that is willing to eat damage and has never been stopped. It turned me off from it. It, Like you could get plus one Oh five on Vera inside the distance. I decided to pass on that and just stick with the minus minus one ninety. I think he's the more technical fighter. I think he's in his prime. I don't think you can say the same for Munoz. So uh, Cheeto Vera minus one ninety will be my best bet for the pod. I like that one too. I considered going ahead and, and using him. I mean, he clearly has the better resume, if you ask me. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's not close. And m- what I saw from Munoz in his last fight wasn't anything impressive. So I kind of like Chido Vera here myself, actually. All right. So it sounds like we've got some agreement. Is, is there another fight on the card you're really uh, eager to see? Is there something that's jumping out at you? Like, you, not that you necessarily have a pick on, but one that you're uh, you're excited to watch. Honestly, I wanted to see the Weidman fight. Chris Weidman coming back is super interesting to me too because if he comes back and listen that that injury that he had is gnarly like who knows what he's going to look like but if he comes back even close to what he was before he left I mean this is a very winnable fight for him Brad Tavares is 
a, he's a solid fighter is like the kind of the, the best thing you can say about him, but he's lost four of his last six fights. Um, you know, I, it feels like if Chris Weidman is going to ever be anything like, uh, any sort of a, a top 10 guy in the UFC, this is the kind of win that he has to be able to pick up and you can get him out there anywhere. Like plus two twenty seven is available on Weidman as the dog. Uh, again, it's you're taking a risk because you don't know what you're going to get. But I, I imagine Chris Weidman wouldn't be coming back if he wasn't fully ready to go, considering how problematic that last injury was. Like recovery went poorly; he had to have a second surgery. Like I don't, I don't think he would be back if he wasn't 100, at least as close to 100 percent as he can be, uh, given his age and given his, the injury history. But I'm, I'm pretty interested in Weidman as a dog, uh, just given given what we know. I think the one reason why I would, well, one, I want to see this fight, but one of the reasons why I'm actually considering putting money on him is that I think there's a difference in hunger when you lose. And then there's a difference in hunger when you're forced out and you don't get to kind of complete everything. And I think that it kind of gives you a chance to go ahead and kind of reset. And I think that this is a good reset for him. Uh, Obviously he wants to come out and prove himself and he, hopefully he feels really good, but I think that this could be a chance at like maybe a, an, another run for him where had he just gone out there and, and lost fights and this and that and the other and going through the motions, he probably wouldn't even be in the UFC right now. But I feel like this could be a potential reset for him. So I kind of like the position and it's not like you know, I think anything bad of Brad Tavares, but I think that Wyden might come back with you know a whole different hunger, a whole lot of motivation here and maybe even surprise somebody and maybe potentially even make a run right now at their best. There's no question. Chris Weidman's a better fighter than Brad Tavares. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if, if Chris Weidman's at his best at this point, but Brad Tavares is 35 years old. I don't know that he's at his best either. Uh, he, he didn't really look particularly competitive against Drickus Duplessis. Uh, he got absolutely brutalized by Bruno Silva the last time he was out. So, I, I'm 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 there with you, man. I think it's it'll be interesting to see where where Weidman goes from here. And again, if he loses this fight, I, I think we just stop thinking of Chris Weidman as like a, a even a. I think we stop thinking about him as like anything that's going to be a title contender at any point. So uh, this this really is a big fight for him, certainly. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Sleepy, appreciate you as always. You can check out Sleepy stuff at pregame.com as well. Fantastic value on there. If you're if you're looking to uh, to maybe go with a, l- a little less of an investment, Sleepy is the guy. He He's killing it. Every sport he kills it in. Uh, so he's worth a look there as well. Always appreciate the time, Sleep, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you before UFC 293. All right, excellent. I'll talk to you later.